Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Here you go. Here you go. Lomo. Word of the day is Logan Morrison. We've got a Samson sit-down with one of my all-time favorites off and on the field, Logan Morrison. I appreciate you taking the time, Logan. I know it's the off-season. I know you got stuff going on, but we got a lot to get to. What's up, Logan? Oh, nothing, David. I'm just waiting eagerly for your questions. They're hard-hitting questions you have for me. Oh, my God. Why you, you're, sitting, you're sitting right now, if, you, if you're listening to this instead of watching, uh, he's sitting very sternly. Very. Are you nervous? I have my hands. I'm, I'm astute. I'm sitting astutely. You are. I didn't know you could sit astutely, but you are, you are one of the, uh, you were one of the original social media guys. And, uh, you know, we're going to post this. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, we do a bunch of stuff on Twitter. What, what made you start Twitter so early? You were one of the first players I can ever remember being on that website. Yeah. So I think it was because, uh, my representation told me my agent said, Hey, it's a good way to get your name out. Um, you're a small market, interact with fans, see what happens. Um, keep PC. I probably didn't listen to that part, but, um, everything else. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I think I like, I, somebody actually sent me something that I was on some list as like most marketable athlete, which is saying something because I was in, I was playing for the Florida Marlins and baseball at that. And I really wasn't that good. So, well, when we drafted you, we thought you'd be the greatest of all time, by the way. And you're damn yeah. good. You're still, you had a, you had major league at bats in 2020 and you were drafted in 05. So yeah. wait, you could be fully vested. That's how long you've been around. You've been around forever. So don't undersell yourself. But did they tell you, did your representatives tell you that you should be sort of an a-hole? Did they say you should be controversial or did they just say, hey, here's a Twitter, do whatever you want to do? Yeah, just be you. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, you know, it's cool is that, you know, people want to say like, it, it was like a negative thing on me or my career, but it really wasn't like you guys didn't send me down for that. You sent me down for not going to a charity event. Um, you know, it was like, uh, it, but everybody thought I got sent down with Twitter. Um, but it was, I'm sure it was a combination, but like, like it also like helped me raise a lot of money for charity and things like that, um, which I would normally not have the the chance to do and kind of give me that platform. Uh, can we get back to that? Because we're not going to let our listeners and viewers not have us dive into that. You think when we sent you down that we were punishing you for not going to a charity event, I threatened you to send you down because of your Twitter. Of course, yeah. that would be against the collective bargaining agreement. And I told you that no one would give a crap about you if you weren't a good player, but only a good, twatter 
And uh, but you think that you actually when you were sent down that it was charity event related that you didn't show up to something or do you think there's a chance your performance had something to do with it? I know that my performance had nothing to do with it because I was sent down hitting three, got called up hitting three, 10 days in between. I hit 150 in AAA those 10 days. So I know I had my performance had nothing to do with it. So 10 days, why would we send you down for 10 days? Oh yeah, that's the rule. You can't bring a guy back for 10 days. So how quickly did you know that we were manipulating service time of other players? Is that how you became involved in your union? Because we're going to talk quite a bit about that because I'm fascinated to talk to you because our, our, our audience will love this, having two different understandings of the same situation in labor. But how quickly did you know as a young player that management, like me, would manipulate service time of players in order to get more years of control and to save money? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that was, that was the reason I got called up when I got called up. Um, I think there's a lot that has, like, that's the reason that everybody gets called up when they get called up. Um, so I think, yeah, right from there you know um you have you always have like the older guys telling you too and then like being with the marlins they don't exactly have the best uh track record or or cases with grievances so uh you you always got a i guess a um little more insight with that being with the marlins well logan that's i'm not saying that you guys lost grievances i'm saying that a lot of grievances filed against you okay thank you for clarifying that because we did not lose grievances. We actually won grievances, but we got grieved a lot because we would go to the letter of the CBA because our view was we are going to enforce every provision of the CBA that is in our favor because we sure as hell know that you, the player, are going to enforce every provision of the CBA that's in your favor. And I don't blame you for doing what you do. Why do you blame me for doing what I do? I don't blame you. You're it's your businessman. That's what you do, you know, but like, but like, here's the thing. When it's a collective effort, there's some rules that might be um, friend, infringed upon. And when there's a monopoly, there also might be some more rules that are infringed upon. And the player really has no recourse. Um, so that's the issue. It's like, like, yeah, like it's, I'm not saying there's collusion or anything going on like that, but you have all the like-minded free uh, uh, front offices. And, and so when you, when you um, have everybody thinking like that and trying to save every penny you can free agents become non-existent because you don't care about winning anymore. And that ruins the game. So that's where you have to find the, the counterbalance. And I will say the Marlins under Jeffrey Loria, he wanted to win. At least he wanted to win. These guys now don't care. He was obsessed with winning, but we definitely had, had money problems. He was obsessed. I told a story about you and Coca. This is off the, what we talked about pre-show, but we have Logan on the show and I want to mention it. Uh, the Marlins and I talked about this, Logan, we had number five retired because the first president in Marlins history was a guy named Carl Barger, who actually died before the Marlins ever played a game. And I became the third team president in the history of the franchise after Dave Dombrowski and before Derek Jeter. And uh, you went to Jeffrey and I want to ask you this. Did you know as a player that you could go over my head to Jeffrey because he was so much more sympathetic to players than I was like, did you guys talk about that? No. Um, I just know I wanted to wear five and I know that he, uh, we had a conversation about it because he was talking, he would talk to me, you know, uh, previous years. And we had a conversation about when we change franchises, we're no longer the Florida Marlins. We are now the Miami Marlins and five will be available. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I would love to have that number. So then when we're going into the new season, or the new stadium, 
Um, I'm sure I talked to you about it, but you probably just him hot it and threw it away. So I was like, all right, so I'm gonna go to Jeffrey and see what he says. And then boom, I got it done, you know? So I only take offense to one thing. I never hem hawed stuff you'd come to me with. I always would tell you, you act as though, and don't let people misunderstand this. I never did stuff behind your back. I no, told no. you exactly what I was going to do. So hem hawing to me means that, oh, keep talking. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And you're never going to hear from me again. That's not how I was a president, Logan. Yeah, no, I would say that more like you had more important things to do probably at the time opening up a new stadium. And so that was probably a back burner issue for you. I mean, but I don't know. I really but don't I, know. I but really I, I didn't it. feel it was right to take an, a retired number and unretire it. I didn't. And what Jeffrey came to us and he came to me and to Larry Vinefest, the president of baseball ops at the time. And we told him we would not do it. And he said, I'm doing it for Logan. Um, he was unbelievably fond of you. Uh, and uh, you know that. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you had a relationship with him that was he, he tried to have a relationship with many of his players. Uh, he, 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 we stopped him from doing many of the things he wanted to do, but uh, both on and off the field. But he was able to do some of the things that he wanted to do by calling owners prerogative. And that number five was one of them, by the way. And yeah, I don't no. I, I don't regret it because I loved you and I still love you. And, and I, but I, to me, if you do that then every number that gets retired or everything that's franchise history is all of a sudden in jeopardy. And we're seeing it now with Jeter. Everything that Jeffrey did, everything is gone now. And yeah. Jeffrey now realizes that when you don't respect what's been done by previous owners, it doesn't feel really good. And so yeah. he's now seen it from the other side. So I would say that, sure, you're right to all that, but retiring a number for somebody who never played in the big leagues is something I would have an issue with. Um, yeah, I'm sure he helped a lot to get a franchise in Miami, but he didn't play. So why would he have a number? It was just, it's, a, it's a way to honor him. It's a way to honor him. But I, I totally understand what put his number or put his name, put his last name up, do that, you know, but like he didn't have a number. Uh, he did not have a number. I assume was Joe DiMaggio number five or am I making that up? No, I think he was. So maybe I think his favorite player may have been Joe DiMaggio, but I of course could be making that up. So you got pretty involved over the years. You learned a lot with the Marlins. There's no doubt. You and I spoke about labor issues. We spoke about on-field and off-field stuff all the time while we were traveling, while we were on the road, at home, whatever. Tell me, during COVID, you and I had a text exchange and quite a few text exchanges, and I want to inform our, our audience. Uh, how, how pissed were you as a player with what was going on with Rob and with Tony? Or were you aware of why each side was taking the position that they were taking? Yeah. Um, so this goes back to like the monopoly thing. It's like Rob doesn't have any checks, right? So Rob can basically do whatever he wants, say whatever he wants. But the problem is Rob stuck his foot in his mouth and said something to the effect of, well, we were only going to play 60 games from the beginning or something like that. So therefore he was literally negotiating in bad faith. That is against the rules. That is in turn breaking the law and of the CBA or whatever. And, we probably should, we definitely have legal recourse. I don't know if we will use the legal recourse, but we should. So let's go back to that though, because you said something that contradicted Logan. You can't, Rob does have a check on him and the check on him is the collective bargaining agreement that is negotiated with you, the players. He can't sure. violate the collective bargaining agreement. And he, he can't, he's he never cannot. done that before. It, it, if, if he violates any provision in it, you have the right as a union 
as every union does, to grieve that within the construct of the collective bargaining agreement. So for me, it's it's one thing to talk about. But if you guys believe as players that he was always going to be at 60 games, you should file a grievance. And frankly, I said it on nothing personal. I think you will file a grievance because then you will use that grievance as a chip that you can settle as part of a full collective bargaining agreement. Do you get told about that as a player? all the grievances that get settled each time a new CBA is negotiated? No. Well, a lot of the grievances that are filed are on a personal player's behalf. And that's like, you don't get told about those, but you're talking like grievance that, that, that the like MLB or a team, like what, any, so when a team grievance. violates, yeah. So Service no, no. Or any, any sort of grievance that comes up, there's a list of grievances. So in 2019, they number them according to the year and the number and the order in which they're filed. So let's say if you filed a grievance against us in 2008, it would be titled 08-1 if you were the first grievance by the union. Players don't file grievances against teams. The union files a grievance against owners, and it can be on behalf of an individual player or on behalf of a different issue. But I think that you guys will file a grievance, but as part of negotiating and settling and trading off positions when you're doing a collective bargain agreement at the end, all these grievances get settled as part of this, the, the finishing of a, of a CBA. So I think that a grievance that you would file would not actually ever go to the arbitrators. They never do. do. Yeah. I don't think you'd get Rob on the stand to have to testify whether he was going to be at 60 or not the entire time. But I think I think what they're saying is and what the what the union is saying is like, oh, these books, let's see these books. You guys are taking such a heavy loss. You can't pay anybody. You're crying poor. Well, let's show us. And then they never show us. And I guess they're saying the lawyers or whatever the union are saying, like, listen, like we can um, if this goes to court, we're, we might be able to see their books or we can see their books this way. And so, like, that's another thing that, like, would work in our favor. Um, Why do you but, want to see books? Why do you, why are players so interested in seeing the owner's books? Uh, well, I think it's just to prove them liars. Liars meaning that they could have higher payrolls? Uh, liars meaning still saying that they can't afford things or they're broke. They, 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 they lose money operationally and we all know that's not true. But they write themselves a $25 million check at the end of the year to show that they have a loss. So where did your, uh, I mean, this is not personal. So let's just take another example. Um, let's take where we are right now at CBS. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, news today or last week or whenever this show comes out. So I just totally blew the evergreen status of this interview, which I think is coming out. I don't know when, but soon now, maybe tomorrow. Uh, there are a lot of layoffs at uh, ESPN. And do you think the people who get laid off would say, hey, let me see your books because you could have afforded to keep me that's not fair what you're doing. Do you think that that's a reasonable position for an employee to take who gets laid off? Uh, but you're talking, no, but you're talking about somebody that's getting laid off or fired. We're talking about a union versus a ownership group. Let's talk about American airlines and the pilots. Then let's talk about pilots who want more money. And when they're negotiating, American airlines says, listen, we cannot pay you what you're asking for because we simply will not survive. We will sure. not make any money. Uh, do you have the right as a pilot to see the books to prove that? 
you have the right to ask. I don't think you'd have the right to see them, but it's all, that's not about what do you, come on, man. It's about leverage. <laughs> and if we have leverage to see the books, then we'll see the books. The pilots don't have leverage. If the, all the pilots said, Hey, listen, we don't need money. We're done. Let us see your books. Then they'd be like, okay, here's our books or something to that effect. Cause they have nobody to fly their planes. I don't know. I just never understood why players, why the union leaders thought that owners would give in in any way to, to giving up books because they're, they're it's not your business. And I don't mean you, Logan. I mean, it's sure. never an employee's business to know what an employer is doing in terms of profit loss. Or it's, it's totally up to the employer to decide if, if he wants to or she or they, if they want to support their family or buy a Picasso or buy a yacht from the profit of their business, or if they want to take all the money and give it back to employees as part of a stock ownership plan, why, it's always the employer's right for that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So why would players choose the books? I think you guys should be doing something different. And I've been talking to you It's about, it's about PR. It's, it's always about PR. It's always about PR. That's what you mean. So it's (laughs) always about PR for you guys. Right. Uh, and the owners, you saw exactly what happened when Rob stuck his foot in his mouth. Everybody, all the P everybody PR wise started jumping on the owners and saying they're literally holding them out. They won't let them play. Let them play. Like when Mike Trout tweets, hey, tell us when and where. Guess what happened? Rob flies to Arizona to meet with Tony to fake negotiate again, to show PR like, hey, we're trying to get something done, but the, these players are being unreasonable. No, we're not. We just want what we want to get paid for our games. That's it. Not take a 30% cut. So when other, what was your, did you get spoke? Did you have meetings as a team were you being met by the union or the brewers? You were with the brewers at the, at this time during the COVID break, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So were, were you guys having team meetings or were you getting memos or emails from the union and not having smaller meetings? Emails from the union. Um, and, and teams would go, teams did have, I don't know if the brewers did, um, but teams did have individual smaller meetings. Were you ever a union rep? No, uh, I was a backup. John Buck got me like a alternate backup thing. Yeah. Did you like it? Because most times players do not like that job of being the union rep. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, it is, but it's a necessary job. Um, did I like it? I didn't really have to do much as an alternate because we had Steve Ciszek and he usually just handled everything, you know? Steve liked uh, doing that. Yeah, I don't, I, he, he's just, yeah, he's very organized and he's, he likes to, I think he wants, you know, the players to be informed and uh, make the best decisions they can for them and their families. Did you have a hard time staying in shape during the COVID break? Because you're always in good shape. I mean, what, yeah. what did anything change for you? Did you treat it like a, full, a regular off season? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I, I took it to the, like, you just control what you can control. And then I could only really work out at my house. So I was working out of my house. We had rented a house out in Arizona and, lucky enough, fortunate enough to be able to afford that kind of stuff and had somebody come to my house and help me out and train me and then would go up trails, hiking, doing all that stuff. Did you go up Camelback? Oh yeah. Bunch of times. Echo. Mike Hill and I did Camelback after a night of partying after we were playing the Diamondbacks and he got sick on Camelback. Yeah. You went, you went to Chala Trail. We went full on. We were training for a race and it was just silly of us. We were dehydrated. It turned out to be a few miles from the Ritz where we all stayed. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, it did not go well. So let me ask you about this upcoming season. How worried are you about 
the fact that it's possible fans aren't going to be allowed in the stands again and that owners are again going to say we have revenue issues and that free agency is going to be negatively impacted. Is that something that's in your head? I'm not worried about it. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not in my head because I know the reality of the situation. Listen, like you're a businessman. You, you're going to use every advantage you can. You're going to use everything in your power to save money, just like we're going to use everything in our power to try to get money. This is the issue. Every, oh, baseball, is, it's ruining baseball. You know, these arguing about, about money. And the NBA, they get on the same page really quick. Yeah, because they have a cap. They split it. So they want to do what's best for the sport. Whereas owners want to save money and players want to get money, right? So I would say that like for my side is we just want what's coming to us. We have a $10 billion, usually a $10 billion uh, year revenue. And they say that we have like 48% of the money. That's BS. We have way less than that. And uh, a cap would actually help us in a lot of ways. Um, but I understand the union's... Um, not wanting to do that. They have a pride thing with being the only sport left to not have it. Um, Can they we talk really about that, like Logan, because sure. why, why is that? And I never understood it. You're exactly right. Don fear and then Gene Orz and then Mike Weiner And, and now even today's union, they take some pride in saying we have no cap. And, mm-hmm. and but the truth is when you agreed to the debt service rule, when you agreed to the luxury tax thresholds that are in the CBA, you created cap. a cap. It's a cap. I've told Bob Myers a hundred times, it's a cap, Bob. You're going to have one team maybe by this time next year over the, over the, the luxury tax. So you have a cap. But the problem is you don't have a floor. So now, literally, teams tanking, they don't have to spend money on anything. And you have a lot of good players in AAA, like a lot of really good big league players in AAA. And fans aren't seeing the best product they can. Bob Meyer works for the union, by the way, in case people don't know that name. He was brought in to be sort of the grim reaper to work with Tony Clark. He has much more experience, much more legal experience, much more union experience. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Um, you're talking about player teams not spending. What do you make of the raise then? Do, do you root against the raise as a player? Because you want them to be honest here, Logan. Because yeah, I no, root I'm, against the Rays, and I'll tell you why after. Okay. Um, I, like, still know the coaches on there, so I like, you know, I like those guys. Uh, what they do and how they do it um, is not good for player salary, no doubt about it. Uh, because then every other team thinks that they can do it, which in reality they can't. But they think they can. 
why do you think they can't? What did, what did the Rays have that I never had? Because I've never been able to understand it. Were they just have smarter guys around them? Were they unemotional about keeping players too late or trading them too early? I don't know because I root against the Rays because it makes me look bad. When I was an executive, I wanted them to lose because how do you answer to your owner? The Cleveland Indians owner, Paul Dolan, called up his GM Antonetti and said, Brad Hand for $10 million? Forget it. Find me Diego Castillo or Peter Fairbanks or Nick Anderson for six hundred grand. Doesn't that make sense to you? No. Tell me why. Because Brad Hand's really freaking good. I, I know Brad Hand. We had Brad Hand, of course, but... Oh, but you traded him, so you don't really know how good he was. Hold on. Is there any (laughs) executive? You didn't even try to put him in the pen before you traded him. You just traded him. We did. We actually, he was a swing guy for us. Uh, He Long guy, not a one-inning guy with a nasty slider that nobody can touch. Correct. Yeah. Just like Andrew Miller. Great job. Andrew Miller, terrible. You know what it is? It's, it's, It's not just drafting the talent. It's developing the talent with your coaches, keeping the players on the field with your trainers. If you really want to know why you couldn't win, that would be... The first two I would start with. Wow. I think we're getting into something here because your facial color has turned. Are you saying we had bad trainers and bad coaches and bad development people? We may have, but is no, that- no, you had really good ones and then you got rid of them all. We did. Yeah. We fired development people. Uh, the trainers, the trainers, you might not have had good ones, but the development people, I don't know if you fired them. You just didn't retain them or bring them back. Did you always blame me for that? No. Is it possible? I haven't heard of everybody you're talking about. As the president of the team, I'm not going to lie to you. It's no, 100%. 100% possible. Yeah, it's yeah 100%. Company. Yeah, um, but like there are a lot, there's a lot of guys that coach for you that are in the big leagues other places, just like a lot of players, but they were in the minor leagues and they never got shot with the Marlins or they were in the big leagues for a short time and then now they're carried on with another big league. Doesn't team. every team though, I feel like you always look, not you, Logan, but people always look at the Marlins and say, hey, look at all their players who are everywhere else. Brad Hand, Andrew Miller. Isn't it possible? Same, Why can't you say that what about David Ortiz left the twins for the Red Sox? I mean, there's always, aren't there always players who aren't good for one team and end up being good for another team? Yeah. It's, it's the same thing with the Rays. Um, but like coaches, I would think that like, that's a little different. Um, they can go, they, they have a little, they can go from team to team and things like that. Or if they're moving up and there's not a manager spot for them. Sure. But like, yeah, the Marlins, like, when I was there, we had really good coaches in the minor leagues. We had really good players. And then we get to the big leagues. We tried to like take those coaches a little bit with us and then nothing would work out in the big leagues because there like no continuity, no longevity. That's the whole thing. Like with the Rays, like with Jeffrey, like he was emotional. He wanted to win. So things would happen that would take us off the track. But like with the Rays, there's no emotion in it. And they have their player development people. They know they're good at it. They know they're good at analyzing the talent. And so then they just continue to promote these guys. And, Did you and recognize then, that as a player? The like how long has Kevin Cash been the manager with the Rays, right? The hitting coach has been there for three, four years now. You know, the pitching coach has been there for a while. He was in the AAA before that. So, like, there's continuity there. Everybody speaks the same language. Everybody's on the same page from front office down. And when you have that, I think there's – a lot more room for a lot more time for success. Also look at the Rays; Like they're like really, they've been really good until this year at being mediocre, right? Like we were really good at being mediocre. We'd be 500 all the time or just above 500. Look at the record. They've won the most or second, third, most, whatever. I don't know what it is for the last 10 years, whatever they, they get win a lot of games, but they don't ever win a world series or a division until, you know, this year, you know, you agree that tanking can work though, right? I mean, the Astros tanked for three years. They lost over 100 games three years mm-hmm. in a row. 
and they got top picks. They some of them worked, some of them didn't. Mark Capel didn't work, but Correa Springer they worked. And then they won a World Series. They were competitive. I guess you could. Is your view? By the way, are you pissed at the Astros for stealing for signs? Cheating? No, no. I'm I'm on the I'm on the like cover your signs up better, dude. Like this. Listen, you want to talk about how this is this, this is your boy Rob. It's your boy Rob. He go. This is why the Astros told on themselves, and like no other team got in trouble for this. I don't know if no other team was banging on trash cans, but I know a lot of other teams were doing some shady stuff, right? So they go into the Astros and they say, "Hey, we'll give you immunity if you tell us what happened." There's no such thing as immunity. You can't get in trouble for something like this in a CBA. There's nothing going to happen to these players. Nobody's going to get suspended or fined ever. Wasn't it's non-existent. So then these players, because our union doesn't do the best job at educating players, then talked because they were scared. And then the union found out and said, whoa, 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 guys, stop telling on yourself. And so that got to the Red Sox and to the Yankees. And so they're never going to find out what happened with any other teams. How come we never got in trouble? We tried to steal signs every year with the Marlins every year. Because you didn't have veteran dudes that like you bring in, like you didn't have dudes that like could show you how it was done. Did you bring in a Carlos Beltran over? Like, you know, well, wait, didn't wait. We had a bunch of veteran bench dudes, didn't we? I mean, some absolute bad guys like Jeff Baker and some good guys like Wes Helms. And we brought some veteran guys. in. Dobbs. Dobbs. What about Dobber? What's wrong with Dobber? Well, I don't think that they stole signs or like he would never, he was never privy to it. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. We wanted to steal signs. If, if someone told me that all we had to do is bang a trash can and that we would be having an advantage of, of winning more games. I'm a hundred percent in. Yeah. If you were smart enough to just have the live feed in the dugout, right in that little, in the old stadium, right in that little tunnel right there. And you just had a guy banging on a trash can. You would have been gold because they would have just thought it was some Wahoo up in the, up in the stands at, at one o'clock in the morning. Where were you in 2012 in the new ballpark? We could have used some trash can banging. How bad did 2012 go? That was terrible. So bad. How, how early on did you know that we were screwed with Heath Bell? Like spring training, off season? How early? I don't know. I mean, my knee was hurting so bad, I couldn't tell you. Good trainers. Um, couldn't tell you. I don't know. I, I was trying to not hobble. <laughs> <laughs> trying to play, trying to be competitive in a, ba- in a major league baseball game. Holy cow, that was a bad year, Logan. It was. It I didn't was. realize that Jose, and Han- Jose Reyes and Hanley Ramirez wouldn't get along. I thought they would get along. I didn't even know they didn't get along. <laughs> oh, come on. They weren't like, what? They were never like explosive in the clubhouse or anything towards each other. There was petty jealousies all season. Oh, well, okay. And it hurts. We don't need, we're not playing basketball. We're not playing football. I love, I love the sparky everybody. You know, like what helps about petty jealousies? Winning games. So Nobody are you, cares. are you the guy where winning is chemistry and you don't, and you don't, if you, if you don't need chemistry, you just need to win. And if you win, then you have chemistry. Yep. So like having that. good guys in the clubhouse doesn't matter, right? Just get guys in Did uh, you with Hanley. That's not, that's not totally see. There's like, there's no, it's not all black and white, right? Like you can't have dudes that like just don't talk to you or like just dicks like are rude or like, did Whatever. we have that? Who did we? Who have you played with? Who's the Who's the worst guy you ever played with in a clubhouse? He was with the Florida Marlins, but then the Miami Marlins. But I don't really want to go oh, any further on. than that. H two R. 
No, I'm not saying anything. Is it you're turning red? Is it worse? Someone worse than Hanley? I don't know. I mean, Hanley was always good to me. Took me under his wing. Great guy. He was great to me too. He's a good player. He was a good god. Who was the most talented teammate you ever had? Who's so Han- Hanley. Player? No, but so when I when I got up there though, Hanley. Um, was just coming off of his really like he's so talented and then like got a little bigger right and then like got a little slow at shortstop and then it was like well we got to move to third he's such a liability and then you know that whole thing but like watching him play i could tell yeah one of the most talented um you know when so, so over your career who is the best teammate you ever played with in terms of when you look back on your career and say wow i got to play with blank yeah, that's cool. Um, I mean, I really haven't thought about this stuff, obviously. Um, best, like, best, like, most talented player I probably ever played with. Um, man, so, like, Stanton, probably. Um, Yelich. Um, probably, I would say Yelich. Um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Giancarlo because – I saw how that guy got better and what he did to get better. Um, Do you know that Hamley asked to be taken out of his batting practice group because he didn't want to take BP with Stanton? Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, this stuff, like, people probably won't understand even by this story, but do you remember the San Francisco when we were um, taking batting practice and we shut it down because he hit the, the glove you're sitting on? Uh, he certainly in did in left center. It was Unheard unbelievable. Of. Unbelievable. I'd never like stuff like that would happen. And he, because he'd be mad because he wasn't hitting the ball good or like what he wanted to do. And then he's like, screw it. I'm going to hit home. I'm like, you know, try that in a game. Um, but uh, yeah, we shut down batting practice. We stopped right after he hit that ball and, and everybody stood up and gave him a standing ovation. And we went and played, went in and went and played the Giants. I was just texting with him and I'm not flexing, but I was just texting about stuff. His birthday's coming up. You um, got his number? You're bad. <laughs> I, I'll send it to you. And um, he, uh, you know, it's, he's had a frustrating career, right? Forget the fact that he has the biggest contract ever, well, until Trout and, and Mookie Betts, et cetera. But he wants to win and he wants to be good so badly. And I think that he thought going into New York that a World Series would come faster than it has. And I, you know, the injuries to him, injuries are such a tough thing. I know you've struggled with that too. And, and you can blame trainers, but I, I think deep down you don't. Some people just get injured, some don't. What is, what is your view of, of frustration as you're, as you're looking at your career right now? I mean, as you said, I think, are you 34 now? 33? 33. Mm-hmm. So 33. So are you ready to play next season? Uh, sure. But I mean, I really don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah, I could if play. You, if you were offered a minor league deal, would you take it with an invite to spring training? I mean, it has to be the right situation, I think. What's like the, what, a really good one. Like what, an opportunity to play in the big leagues. Like I'm not going to sit in AAA. It's actually a great thing for the audience to hear. The way it works is for players when they're deciding, very often we'd hear, hey, can uh, we're doing the Marlins. No one's going to come play for you. You guys stink. You guys have a bad president, owner, ballpark. It's opportunity. The Marlins actually had great opportunity because we'd be quick to the big leagues and we'd be impatient. The worst organization is a patient organization because they're not going to move people out of the major leagues so fast. So do you think about that when you're given offers? Yeah, I mean, I think all of it plays into it. Like, what's their depth chart look like? What's this? What's that? Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, all of it plays into it. Where is it? 
how far is that? Like, can my kids come? Like that kind of stuff. So, are you, are you preparing for life after baseball, Logan? Is that? Oh yeah, is that dude. I've happening? been. Oh yeah, I've been like. So today, I actually was. Uh, we just bought a house, but I'm like um, taking out the baseboards. I'm learning how to put the flooring in. I'm learning how to like do all the stuff so I can do it myself. And like, shoot, I'll build a house maybe one day. That'd be cool. I don't know. So you have to work. I, I'm asking you this for a question. Do you have to work again in your life? No. Okay. I don't have to, but I want to do something. Okay. How many people have you played with over your long career? You're, you are one of the top quarter of 1% of people who are in the big leagues. Forget the fact that just to get to the big leagues, you have to be the top quarter of the top 1%. But how many players, people think that all players in baseball are rich and never have to work again. And that's just not the case. Do, so, do you back me up on that? Yeah, 100%. You want to hear a great stat? 95% of Major League Baseball players, 95% of Major League Baseball players aren't millionaires. Are not. Are not. I hope people because, are listening to that. So because, and this is this number is only going to go up because of the trends. Again, teams don't want to compete, right? So you don't have to spend on middle-class players, free agents. So then you just call up the next guy who's making league minimum. Um, there's 1% of like, like you see the, oh, this guy has so much money coming to him, Garrett Cole and, and Max Scherzer. And dude, those guys are like, you said of whatever I was, the percent of the percent of the percent, they're like the percent of the percent of the percent that I am, right? So like it's layered onto that. Not only do you have to be good, you have to be good for a really long time and borderline great. You have to be great now to get life-changing money like that. Um, I mean, the minimum salary, don't get me wrong, and people should know it's around $600,000, but your career, most people don't even make it to arbitration. So they have to make, quote unquote, a lifetime worth of money making 600000 for one year, and that's generally not going to happen, not right? Happen. No. So, but like we're talking about this too, like with the raise and it frustrates you. Let me like it, it does, it probably frustrates like a bunch of people, but like, look at it like from this, like Garrett Cole was a free agent last year, right? Look at where the raise payroll was. Oh, you can't afford Garrett Cole. I don't believe you. You can afford Garrett Cole. Do you want to pay for him? And if you did, you probably won the world series, but nobody like goes back and says that. Right. So like nobody really cares. So therefore you don't have to go Garrett Cole unless you're the Yankees, and this is the best part about all of this, right? Uh, owner of the Red Sox. John Henry. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start being smart, more smart, and I'm going to get below the threshold, and I'm going to hire Heim Bloom. Great. Good for you. Good luck for that back, backlash. And that's like what happened. Mookie Betts won them a World Series because they traded them. And they got what back? Alex Verdugo. You literally, you literally, your entire – uh, analytics department is set up to find a player like Mookie Betts. The entire, your development, everything is for a guy like that. And then you, you're not going to be able to pay him Boston Red Sox. That I don't believe you, you can afford it. And you just want to get under the threshold. So we're going to trade him away for, for Dugo, And that's all you can name. But there's always another Mookie Betts, isn't there? Is there? It seems to me that I was told every year by my scouts, you got to draft this guy. He's, there is no one. Yeah. This guy is the greatest ever. And right. then next season, it's the same guy. Now, Mookie is obviously a perennial all-star, potential Hall of Famer, MVP guy. But J.D. Martinez, the reason why they had to trade Mookie is J.D. opted into his deal, and he was overpaid. It's that Nathan Avaldi <laughs> was overpaid. It's that David Price was overpaid. So if, if you make mistakes that cuts into your ability to actually sign one who's right. We got totally screwed by overpaying the people we overpaid and that crushed us. 
but you're, you're, you're the Boston Red Sox. You don't, you don't have to care about a luxury tax. That's not a thing. I never really liked spending other owners money. Right. Like that Stop it. Seem, oh my God. Oh that doesn't my seem God. Fair, you Logan. wouldn't take another per- owner's money and put it onto your pro and put it onto your field. And then if it won you a world series, you would be like, Nope, I don't want to do this. I don't want it. I don't want yeah, this I ring. Would. Stop. I want David. a second Stop. ring. I want Stop. a second ring. I do. I just, it's, I think that there's a little more that goes into it, but I hear you. They wanted to get under the luxury tax threshold and that's their, that's their decision. On the other hand, don't you look at that organization saying, wow, they're super successful. I defended it because they won four rings since so four. The Red That's, Sox? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Again, the problem with this is that like from a player's perspective, it's like if you want to get under this threshold because you're getting tax pennies on the dollars and you don't want to win right now because you don't have a foreign system, you don't have pitching, whatever, you still sign Mookie Betts back because he's going to be around for 10 more years and he's going to be really stinking good for 10 more years, but you didn't. So the consequences you're talking about, I get it, but live with them until those contracts expire and then go get your farm system while that's going on. You, you just sign that guy back. Do you, you want to be do. a coach? No. Do you want to be in the front office? Again, it has to be the right position. Uh, uh, but are you willing as a young situation. father, are you willing to travel? Like to be a pitch, a hitting coordinator as an example? No, no, that's not front office. That's a coach. No, but starting, but well, that's in development. That's not a coach. That's, that's, that's a position in development. And then you would go to winter meetings and you do all this and you work your way, an assistant GM, a special assistant. I mean, you're good. You're smart enough, Logan. Don't automatically poo poo that. I mean, you'd be terrific yeah. in a front office. I mean, maybe, but like, I, I don't know. Again, I have to be the right situation. I have to like the people I'm working with, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and so like, yeah. So what were we talking about before the, 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 the I was talking about life after question. baseball for you. And yeah. whether or not you're prepared for that, because your life, my life and your life, it's based on the calendar. It's based on the time of day. Every day at 7.05 p.m., you know where you are. I've been out of the game three years and it, it's not out of my system yet because yeah. it's strange. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you think that way at all or no? Man, so I'm like so busy with two kids. Like, no, like they're like so like I got a, a 19 month old that does not stop moving. So on top of that, I have a five-year-old who loves to like watch movies with me. And like, so like, I'm good. Like I, seven o'clock doesn't come here or there. Like, I don't care. Like baseball's not a driver for me anymore. I love baseball, but like, I could not miss it. I'll be fine without it. You know, um, was, I'll was miss like talking for you me. going back after COVID and going, I mean, did dude, you- the, the COVID stuff was, yeah. that And like, it, it was more of like a, just like a mental thing, dude. Like, the walls are closing in and like people telling you what to do in the club, like, you know, like the clubhouse is like a sanctuary. Right. So then you got these MLB guys telling you can't do things you've done your entire career and you don't even know their name. And like, I just want to go watch film. No, you can't because it's the middle of the game and the Astros screwed that up. Okay. And then it's like, well, can I see if that's a ball or strike or can I ask them? No, you can't even talk to video guys. All right, sweet. Um, And then it's like, before the game, you're sitting at your uh, locker and you want to drink some coffee and the guy's telling you to put your mask on. It's like, I'm going to drink my coffee. How about you leave me alone? It's, it, it was, it's intense. It's intense. And I get like all the rules and the protocols being in place, but it wasn't fun. You know? Would you have been pissed at Clevenger and Plesak for going out? They were the Indians pitchers who went out and then got demoted for going out and then Clevenger got traded. As a teammate, as a father of two young kids, uh, would you have been pissed at them? Um, pissed... I mean, I think in that situation, it'd be like a no harm, no foul thing for me. 
uh, I would not be mad at them. They're my teammates. I wouldn't be pissed at them. I'd be maybe disappointed that they would be like selfish and uh, put themselves in that situation. Um, you know, at the same time, you, <laughs> I don't know how the NBA guys do. You got to have a life, man. Like you got to do something outside. So like, dude, I would go outside and eat. There's no wrong with, no, there's nothing, no rules against that. I mean, I didn't go out with like any friends that I had like come over or whatever it was, but like, I went and would eat with teammates. Like, yeah, <laughs> you got to yeah, do I something. See. Yeah. The NBA players actually came out public and said, listen, this was too much for us. Like yeah. the bubble life. It sounds, everyone's excited to go to Disney world, but let me tell you, it, it was mentally taxing and the NBA is having that issue. Now they do not want to go back into a bubble at all to start a season. And they're like, Oh, bubble. Like we're talking like, like bubble. The, you can't bubble a baseball. They just, it's no. too hard. There's too many teams. There's too many moving parts. There's not enough fields. Well, you had it. You lived in Arizona during COVID. Would you like to play a 1 p.m. game in Arizona on July 31st with no roof? Just yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. Sign me up for uh, some some pickle juice and uh, whatever else I need to have to stay stay hydrated. Some you need SPF an IV. Hundred thousand. You need an IV. All right, I want yeah. to close with the topic. Uh, and I one of the things that mattered to me, and did, we we never got a lot of press for it because we're the Marlins, but we really tried to support the troops. And we were one of the only teams, the only team to actually, instead of taking videos and sending videos to the troops of greetings, like, hey, it's Logan Morrison with the Marlins. Thank you for your service. We actually went overseas and visited troops. And I was lucky enough to go with you to Bahrain and to Qatar and to Landstuhl uh, base in Frankfurt. Uh, and we spent 10 days together every minute of every day. Literally, um, literally. Um, tell us, first of all, did that trip when I asked you to go on that trip, was it a definite yes from the without even knowing about it? 100 percent. Like I didn't need details. You're going to see troops for charity or do whatever. Like, yeah, OK, let's go. Like, and, I, and what is your memory of that trip right now? Uh, being exhausted, being absolutely exhausted. And then somehow just like getting through it. We're doing like the LZ workout and like just the guy from Central Casting yelling at us. And just just being physically, mentally tired, uh, getting on a plane and uh, from like a what was that car? Like it was a BMW that took you to the, the plane. And right then we, to plane side. We thought that they were taking us to take our kidneys out. We, we, yeah. were, we were in Qatar and we assumed yeah. that we were about to be kidnapped because we were on a bus taking us supposedly to the plane. And where we were going, there were no planes. There were yeah. no lights. There were just like we thought people with guns. And then, of course, a plane appeared and we ended up not getting killed, which was a positive. But we yeah, went with and- Andre Dawson, Jeff Conine, John yeah, Buck. So cool. Who, did you meet John Buck in the airport the way I did after we yep. had signed him? Yep. We mm-hmm. signed him to a free agent deal. I had never met him. He never came in, which shows you that we overpaid him. He never interviewed. We never, never visited. Didn't need to see anything. So we, of course, we overpaid him. That was a Levinson special. The Levinsons were his agents. They called Jeffrey and said, you give him three years and he's a Marlin. Jeffrey said three years. I was like, Jeffrey, you can't give John Buck three years. Oh, no, he was an all-star for the Royals, I think. We got to do it. We need a catcher. The Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. The Blue Jays. So John Buck, I invite him to the troops trip because why not? And we met him in the airport at Dulles Airport on the way flying overseas to Kuwait was the first place we stopped. Yeah. A um, little bit of culture shock landing in Kuwait, that's for sure. Um, toilets are on the ground. Um, little holes in the, but like, 
that, I mean, I had so much fun. And I remember, remember like, they're like, don't wear anything American. Don't wear anything like soldiers on it and blah, blah, blah. When you get off the plane, it's going to be a lot of like, there's a lot of Muslim people waiting for their families uh, to get off the planes. It's like a big thing that they do over here. It's like, all right, cool. And then we, when we're, when we're getting off, it was also called a prayer time. So it was like the chant was going on and I had, didn't even realize it because it was like hour 17 of the travel. Right. And had a, um, an Under Armour, like freedom helicopter, uh, on my chest. And I'm like, Oh my God, I walked out and I was like, I'm an idiot. I, and yet yeah, I walked out next to you because I was talk about stereotype, right? I'm a five foot five, 120 pound yeah. Jewish guy. And I was like, <laughs> I'm hanging out with like, what am I doing? I'm going to be next to Logan because yeah. Conine's decently sized. Andre can't walk much anymore, but he's a big guy. I'm, I'm going to stick with Logan and just yeah. in case something happens. <laughs> but by the way, we were taken care of completely. We had Marlins mermaids on that trip who the troops mm-hmm. love to see. And yeah. we did clinics and that was, uh, that was a special trip. Thank you for doing that. Dude, I had a great time. Do you remember, you remember that, that hotel, the first hotel we stayed in, it got raided like a week later in, and it was like assault rifles and people were get killed and stuff in Bahrain. Yeah. Where we left the hotel, we got in trouble, folks. We'll wrap up right now, but this is because I've taken you've, you've given me so much of your time already. But we stayed at a hotel in Bahrain on when we were doing all these events, and uh, we were told you don't leave the hotel without security. That was what the MLB <laughs> rule was and the army rule was. But me, you, Conine, and a bunch of other people on the trip, Andre would never come with us. We snuck out of the hotel to go get shawarma. Yep. And we didn't realize we're taking pictures of the street signs and we're Bin Laden, Bin Laden Avenue, <laughs> Bin Laden Avenue. We, we were like just ignorant to the whole situation. And then we leave. And a week later, that hotel got shut down. It got overtaken in like a Looked like army dudes with like yes. ARs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Logan. I love you, man. It, I, it's Great my honor to have worked with you. Thank you for doing Great this. Kitchen. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Bob. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.